We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Starting the podcast today with what we call in the trade a post-production edit. Um, I'm adding this to the beginning of the podcast because it was a podcast of breaking news throughout. So you'll hear Tommy and I today as we were getting the news about Nats Mets postponed, about Roy Williams retiring, about some of the things that Ron Rivera was speaking about in his Zoom conference call with beat reporters. At times here early in the podcast, it'll sound like we don't know anything about it, but we find out as we were recording it, and we respond to it in the moment. So enjoy the podcast today. By the way, um, a reminder that I did not do one yesterday, but I will have a podcast sort of make up for Wednesday's no podcast on Saturday. Enjoy the show. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. We've got a lot to talk about, including the fact that it is opening day. It'll be awfully cold in that ballpark tonight, Tommy, for the 5,000 season ticket holders that will be there. By the way, did you know that they're going to re-raise the banner tonight for the 5,000 in attendance? Well, I, I, well, they should. I think they should re-raise the banner every time they get to up the capacity until they get a full house. Well, uh, why not just wait until it's a full house? I think they should do it a half a dozen times because 2020 didn't happen, at least in my mind. So as far as I'm concerned, they're still the defending champs. I, I, I'm sort of with you. I mean, they're not the defending champs. The Dodgers are. But I know be, that. But beyond that, you know, last year was a weird year, and they didn't have a chance to play a real season as defending champion. My only issue is... You know, these 5,000 season ticket holders, probably among their wealthiest season ticket holders, I don't know, did they do it by lottery? Maybe they did. I would imagine that there may have been some preferential um, treatment. Like, wait until the ballpark's full. There's there's no real urgency to do, do it tonight. I guess you Why could, not do both? Well, then you've got three banner raisings. What's the problem? Nothing's the problem, actually. I mean, I guess if you put it that way, we might as well do it every night for all, you know, 81 home dates. Let's let's just re-raise the banner. I think it's good. You know what? That actually, that would that would be the utmost of appreciation because it would reach and connect with the most fans. Why not? Re-raise. And, 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 and the rest of the world would hate us even more. <laughs> yeah. Um... Anyway, uh, it is opening night tonight, uh, opening day. I... And let me point out, uh, 
uh, you know, not only is it going to be cold, but we're up on like the sixth floor you are, yeah. of the building. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're pretty high up, and it'll be windy. And sometimes it's like Mount Washington wind up there. And because of COVID, they can't close the press box windows. Are you rethinking your decision to go? Oh, no, I'm going. Okay, good. I'm going. Yeah, suck it up. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm not going to weasel out no. because it's cold, but it, it will be colder where I'm sitting than where anyone else watching the game is sitting. Tonight, temperatures, all right, the, the game time, the first pitch temperature, 42 degrees, okay, I have basically here. Um, it's going to be windy. Uh, winds gusting up to 25 miles per hour out of the northwest. That's, by the way, the cold side in which the winds blow um, out of the northwest. Um, and, you know, if there is precipitation, it would be showers or flurries during the game, although the chance of that is minimal. Yeah, I mean, not ideal. Look, I know it's tradition to start the the baseball season right around, you know, the 1st of April, you know, give or take a couple of days. You know, for a lot of these northeast, you know, colder cities that play outdoors, I know that you'd love to have the home opener at home, but it really would make more sense for them to open up in Miami or in a ballpark with a dome um, and then come back home in two weeks. And they've done that before, but whatever, I don't care. I mean, it's it's 5,000 people in the crowd tonight. I'm looking forward to it. You know, they had the COVID case. They've got a player with COVID. Do you have any idea who that player is? No, I don't. But, you know, I don't cover the team every day. I know. I'm not as plugged in as, as some of the beat guys. And I haven't seen anyone report it yet. I'm sure at some point before the game starts, we'll probably know who it is. And not only that, but people who came into contact with him have to be uh, have to be quarantined as well, right? Yeah, four other players that had, you know, yeah, contact was- tracing issues. So there's the possibility that they'll be without five players. Now, they've called up players at positions – that would lead you to believe that the five cases are of those positions. They've called up a catcher, a left fielder, uh, another reliever, an infielder. Another infielder, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I had Jesse Doherty on the show this morning. He covers the Nats for the Post. Um, He's very good. Um, And I asked him, I I said, um, you know, do you have any sense based on the call-ups I mean, have you done, you know, I'm sure you've done the, the, the game of trying to figure out who it is. And he said, I have. He said, I just wouldn't feel that comfortable talking about it. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, you know, which is fine. Um, I mean, I think every single Nationals fan that's excited about opening night is doing that exercise, right? They're going through, all right, left fielder, Kyle, uh, Kyle Schwarber might have it. Uh, you know, we've got a, we've got a catcher, so Jan Gomes, catcher. you know, Jan Gomes might, might be the guy. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I also think back to, you know this, I knew um, in the middle of the season when Washington, when there was a story out there that a Washington player had COVID, had tested positive, positive for COVID, I knew from a, a good source that, w- that it was Matt Ioannidis. And I, you know, it was still sort of a sensitive time. And I did feel this, um, first of all, 
I, I didn't care about breaking that news. Like Matt Ioannidis is the guy with COVID nineteen. First of all, he was on injured reserve at the time. Um, but I I did call the the Washington football team public relations, and I said, look, I know it's Ioannidis. And I said, I don't want to do anything that makes anybody feel uncomfortable. And I really don't know if it would make anybody feel uncomfortable. And to be honest with you, they, they just said, look, you have it. Do with it what you want. But, you know, we'd like to keep it under wraps until, you know, until Matt's sort of comfortable with it. And so I just decided not to do anything with it. Whatever. But I was thinking today, like, we're, we're five months beyond that. Like, is it really uh, like a super sensitive thing? to report that, you know, by name, if you have it, that this particular Nationals player tested positive. And, in fact, for the players, I, look, everybody can feel the way they want to feel, but having COVID-19 and testing positive, is that really some sort of negative thing? Well, look, you've seen what we're going through right now in terms of vaccinations where people – uh, people uh, and some athletes included in this, some are reluctant to say whether they've been vaccinated. I think or that's not. different. Sen- well, I, I don't think this. I think it's the same concept. It's a sensitive time about your own personal medical information. Even though we're in a time where everybody is either in COVID fear or getting over COVID fear, and most people would understand. If somebody had COVID, it wouldn't be some kind of scarlet letter exactly. or something like that. But I still think there's right now with the vaccination process, there's some sensitivity. That's about different, though. Can I tell you why I think? Can I tell you why I think that's different? Well, that... you can come up with some uh, idea that you think it's different, and I'll listen to it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm good. thank you for listening to it on our podcast today, rather than just <laughs> tuning me down as I speak to nobody. <laughs> No, it's different because I think there's a lot of sensitivity to making sure that you're not jumping in front of somebody in line to get a vaccine that should have gone to somebody that was more vulnerable because of age or underlying health condition. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, like some baseball players who don't want to reveal ever if they were vaccinated or not. Why? Because of the anti-vaxxers? Uh, who knows? Maybe they are anti-vaxxers. Maybe <laughs> there's their fear of the backlash of not getting a vaccine okay. at this point. Right. Uh, so I just think I have no problem with somebody who wants to you know, keep it quiet about their own uh, COVID situation uh, and sensitivities over health. The bigger issue is not, the issue is not who has it, okay, because they're going to get over it. All these players get over it. They're young. They're strong. They're healthy. Yeah. They, they, they'll get over it. The, the issue is this is a devastating blow for the Nationals, potentially devastating. The whole uh, Davey Martinez mantra this spring has been about getting off to an early, a quick, good start. I mean, good start. I mean, they have not gotten off to a good start in any of the first three years he's been a manager. And we all know about the historic 19-31 and 31 start. In 2019, we we have forgiven we've forgiven that one. Yes, but they have (laughs) emphasized quick, good start, not not a slow start, Mm -hmm. and they're starting off playing a a division rival, a tough division rival in the Mets. They're going to play right after that another tough division rival in the Braves. 
Then they have to go on the road a week within oh, a week. Oh yeah, to go play the Dodgers. Oh yeah, in L.A. It's it's more. It's you know? more than, you haven't even gone through the whole thing. I went through this with Zuck yesterday or the day before. Their 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 opening schedule is just brutal. It's yes. brutal. They're playing. You know, they play the Mets a bunch of times. They play the Braves a bunch of times, both of whom, if you're not following this, are are co-favorites, essentially. The Braves are a slight favorite to win the division. The Mets are are close to finish second. The Nats are actually, you know, in terms of odds to win the division, a distant third and slightly ahead of Philadelphia and comfortably ahead of Miami. New York and Atlanta are, on paper, according to Vegas, the two favorites to win the division. So they open up with New York, Atlanta, and and then the Dodgers, who, by the way, their over/under number in Vegas is yeah. 103. Yeah. Then yeah, they... the Dodgers, the Dodgers only only got better after winning uh, the the convoluted World Series championship last year. So you don't want to be at less than full strength. Well, going I, into this. I think your I think your description was a, a bit hysterical. I, I don't know if it's devastating um, at this point because we don't even know who the player is or who the other four are. But but by by the way, I didn't even mention that after the Dodgers, they get St. Louis for six of their next ten games, and St. Louis is picked to win their division. And then, by the way, during this whole stretch, they play. Oh, by the way, the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. The first month of their season, the schedule. Is brutal, brutal. So right now, it's potentially devastating. Being down twenty percent of the roster well, that ju- you brought with you. We don't know that right now. They might have four of these guys back. They may, they may clear the contact tracing thing. They could be back. That's and true. Yeah, that's true. But right now, mm-hmm. the season is starting with with less than tw- oh. with twenty percent of their roster already gone. I smell a column. God, I smell. No, 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 no. I smell no, tomorrow's no. column. Devastating. No, no, no. With the whole thing I'm to not, the quick I'm start. I'm not going to ring the. I'm not going to ring the uh, that bell. Uh, this is this is a day of happy thoughts. Opening day. <laughs> you know, you don't write negative stuff necessarily on on opening day. Although I've done that a few times too. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not going to write that for a column. But uh, I th- I think it's potentially very damaging. Um. You know, it's typical on opening day to do the, you know, opening day memories or whatever. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a lot of opening day memories. I didn't grow up with baseball. You did. I didn't. I, you know, I grew up in this city. We didn't have a baseball team. Um, I didn't have opening days to look forward to in April. I went to a lot of Orioles opening days, but it wasn't because I was an Orioles fan. It was about, you know, going to Pickles for three hours and and, and then going to a game with a bunch of friends and having a good time. You know, I, I could have cared less about the. I just I never adopted the Orioles as many of my friends did. But um, I, I don't. It's not a big day for me. Opening day. I do love. I do like baseball a lot, and I'm a Nats fan, and I love baseball in October in the postseason. But man, for for so many cities, this is such a it's such a big day on the sports calendar. Has it risen to that level in DC for for a lot of people or not? Do you think? Uh, no. How can you say it has? It hasn't risen to that level yet. Um. Although I am surprised that all the, uh, I think there's more attention this year than normal because of the 
the desperation to feel normal. And uh, opening day of baseball is a normal event, or at least it has been a normal event in Washington since 2005. So I think there's, I think in, in a way, even though it's going to be 5,000 people in the stands, there's heightened interest in it right now because of COVID than, than there typically has been. Last year, if they had a normal opening day, it would have been through the roof. Oh, it would have been one of the hardest tickets to get in recent yeah. memory. Yeah. Uh, so there, it is diminished with time because of that. But uh, I think it's a little bit heightened this year, interest because of the, the desire to feel like life is back again. Well, it's going to be when, when the Rangers finally get to, to their home opener, it's going to feel really like opening day because they're allowing full capacity yeah. into their park, Absolutely. which the president and others had issues with. I don't want to get into that topic, to be honest with you. Although I did um, have um, Mark Hyman. Mark is the guy that replaced George Solomon as the head of the Shirley Povich Center know, School of Jur- Journalism. I used to work with him at the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, so Mark, um, you know, I've I've talked to Mark a couple of times since he took over that job, and he was a part of this first University of Maryland Washington Post poll, which um, basically polled the comfort level of sports fans attending sporting events. I, I didn't intend on having this as a topic, but I'll just mention this real quickly. 42% of those polled said that they feel comfortable attending a ticketed sporting event, which means 58% still don't. But I, there were a couple of things that stuck out to me. Number one, obviously, this makes sense. More Two-thirds say they feel more comfortable at an outdoor sporting event, so a football game or a baseball game outdoors, and only a third essentially said they feel comfortable indoors at a hockey game or a basketball game, Um, 64% said that they absolutely believe that masks should be required um, at sporting events. But here was the one, and I'll just ask you, I mean, this was the one that caught my attention. And when I was talking to Mark this morning about it on radio, um, he didn't mention it in terms of the big things that stuck out to him. And I said, what stuck out to me is 64% said that they'd feel comfortable if they were vaccinated. And 69% said that they would feel comfortable if they knew that all attendees were vaccinated. That, ref- that, that says to me this, Tommy, because my reaction is uh, I'd be 100% comfortable if I knew everybody in the ballpark had been vaccinated. And I would be every bit of 80 to 90% comfortable if I were fully vaccinated. What it says to me, and I mentioned this to him and he thinks it's true. I think this last year has forever, or certainly for uh, a period of time here of a few years plus, is just changing um, consumer habits when it comes to large crowds for anything. Sports is one reflection of that. But if you if you don't feel comfortable after what we've been told by the CDC with respect to the vaccine, going to a, a stadium or even an arena – if, if you knew that 100% of the people in there were vaccinated, well, then this last year has really, really impacted you. And there's a fear there that's not going to go away. I think there's some truth in that. Uh, I think if you live through something like this, uh, you don't just put it in the rearview mirror. Uh, I think it's something that, that you know people will talk about uh, to uh, for for years to come, 
the 2020 COVID, uh, uh, you know, epidemic, uh, pandemic that, that people, the, the lucky ones, managed to live through. Uh, but you see, you have this collision course with crowds right now. Live sporting event attendance was on the way down before COVID. Understood. You know, so it's hard to, it might be hard to differentiate. No, it won't as be. As to what causes what. Yeah, I, mean, life, I mean, right now, <clears throat> right now, I mean, there is, I mean, and it doesn't affect the NFL because the NFL just, just went to a season where 6% of their fans went to football games and they made $12 billion <laughs> in, in revenue. Yeah. So, so they don't but need But it's the number one TV. TV is everything in the NFL. It's not in baseball. It's not yeah. in hockey. No. No, it's not. So, uh, so but, but in these other sports like, like basketball and, and baseball and hockey, the most of all, they need people there. And people are, are not – people are – we're already not, you know, reducing the amount of live sporting events they were going to. And now you have this other factor where this study came out that I knew was going to be the result of is you have a generation of young fans that don't even like to watch the games on TV. They like to watch highlights, snippets. Yeah. A few minutes here and a few minutes there. So, look, if I, if I was in the sport... I guess if I was an NFL owner, I wouldn't care, you know, because gambling is is going to be such a security blanket for for them in particular. But there's a lot of uncertainty as to what the future of of sports is, is going to be right now. I mean, because if you've got a generation growing up saying, "I don't, I don't, I don't watch a game," I don't watch a game, you know, that's troublesome. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. You know, I, I I was just thinking, you're going to the game tonight. You're going to be in a press box. It, I'm assuming it'll be a socially distanced press box with people wearing masks. Yes, but you've been, you know, living the last year very concerned. You're not concerned tonight because you're fully vaccinated. True or not? Yes, I've been fully vaccinated for 35 days now. Yeah. So, so if you weren't if you weren't fully vaccinated, you wouldn't go. No. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Uh, by the way, there's huge no, breaking. I didn't go, to, I... go ahead. I said there's there's huge breaking sports news as we're sitting here recording this. At least for me, anyway. Roy Williams is stepping down, which is not a major surprise at North Carolina. There was a lot of discussion about Roy Williams potentially retiring, but Roy Williams has just retired 33 seasons as a college basketball coach, um, the last 18 at the University of North Carolina. And this this is a job that will be sought after. This is, you know, it's funny, Indiana ended up hiring Mike Woodson, right? You know, a former player at Indiana, um, but you wouldn't categorize Mike Woodson as as an A-plus candidate for any opening job the 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 name that's going to get mentioned more than any other name right out of the gate my guess is brad stevens you know there's been this brad stevens waiting for either roy or shashevsky to call it quits to come back to coach one of the you know a blue blood um and so that's the name you're going to hear. You know, it's funny. There was a list, I think, last year before the season started, and I'm trying to find it right now. 
that actually had Mark Turgeon as a potential replacement for Roy, Roy Williams because Turgeon and Roy are very close, you know, with the Kansas link. Um, but Turgeon's not getting the North Carolina job. And by the way, let me just mention real quickly, my lean on this thing, and I said this, I think, last Thursday, or maybe it was Tuesday with Tommy. I forget the days all run together. My lean is that Turgeon's going get, to get an extension. I don't know anything for sure, and I think we're going to find out here over the next 48 hours one way or the other. But I do think that there is an effort to figure out an extension for Turgeon. Whether or not they come to an agreement is another thing. I don't think he's going to take the Oklahoma job. Um, I think that you know this is something I mentioned from the very beginning. He and the family, they love it here. They're not moving from here. They have a beach house in Delaware. They love where they live in, in the Maryland's, you know, Montgomery County in close suburbs. Um, and I just don't think that they are going to move. If he, if he ends up coaching you know, elsewhere. They don't want to move to Norman, Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, they've lived in College Station. I can tell you this, if Chris Beard leaves Texas Tech for Texas, which I expect to happen, um, you know, I don't see him going to Lubbock. Lubbock's a lot worse than College Station, um, and College Station ain't that great. Uh, but anyway, um, Roy Williams, man, you know, Roy Williams, look, he's won, and I'm pulling up. I just want to see the record um, in total here uh, because the news is just breaking. I've always felt that Roy Williams was a really good offensive coach, but a dreadful defensive coach. None of his teams have ever been great defensive teams. He's almost said outright, look, our goal is to score to outscore you. And it's the way they've played. You know, one of the things I've loved about his Carolina teams is they run every single chance they get. The ball goes through the net and they are back at you like Michigan State. You know, he and Izzo are the best at that. And there have been a couple of teams in this tournament. Gonzaga's one, Arkansas was one, where, you know, it doesn't matter if you make a shot. You have to sprint back on defense because they're coming back right, you know, they're coming back after you. Um, but they got blown out by Wisconsin in the first round of the tournament this year. Uh, the last, you know, they won the championship in 2017, and he was runner-up to, to Villanova on the last second shot by Jenkins in 2016. Um, man, what a record. He 903 wins, 264 total losses, a win percentage of 774. And he is uh, how many? How, it's three national championships, right? All at North Carolina. Because remember the the Kansas team, he got upset a couple times. They got beat by Maryland in a Final Four. That was his last. Fi- okay, that was his last. No, they got beat by Maryland in 2002 at Kansas, and then he came back. And the next year was when they lost to Syracuse in the final. That would have been the Syracuse championship in 2003. Then he gets to Carolina and he wins his first title um, with that team in 2005 um, when they beat uh, when they beat Illinois in the final. I think that was the final where they beat Illinois. Um, and he had that really good team with May and uh, Felton and some of those other guys on that team. Um, yeah, what a career! I mean, seriously, 903 wins. Where is that on the all-time wins list? I don't know. I mean, look, when I think of Roy Williams, I think of how did this guy skate on the North Carolina uh, academic scandal? 
Right. How did he skate on that? He's third, by you the know? way, behind Shashevsky and Bayheim. Four wins ahead of Bobby okay. Knight. And 24 wins ahead of his mentor, Dean Smith. Um, well, yeah. yeah and, he skated on that. I mean, that, 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 that's still not necessarily a crime, but uh, troublesome. Yeah, you know what? It, it Look, I think the whole North Carolina thing over a long period of time with, this, with the sham classes – you know, right. th- this the is the term papers. Yeah, this is a perfect example of truly, you know, the haves, you know, being slapped on the wrist and the have nots being shut down for something that would have that they would have been shut down for. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. It's funny, you so know, I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not the huge Roy Williams fan because I think he got away with something. But then again, my expectations for college sports in particular, college basketball are so low now. I don't expect anything except that kind of behavior. Yeah. His, I, I want to say that Gary had a winning record against Roy, and I'm just looking that up, because Gary seemed to really f- know Roy and outcoach him a lot. Roy's record against Gary Williams in at Carolina was 6-5. and five. But Maryland beat Kansas with Roy Williams in the Final Four and also beat them in, in the regular season once. So I think I would be right in saying that Gary Williams' overall record against Roy Williams was 7-6 and six with two wins over Kansas. I don't think they lost to Kansas. I don't think they did. Um, Roy Williams was one of those guys I always felt was just, you know, overrated as an X's and O's coach, but their style of play – was, you know, something that I can tell you Gary Williams always loved and appreciated. He loved the way the Carolina teams under Roy played. He wanted to play that. He wanted to be in 85-80 games. You know, those are the kinds of games he wanted to play. And those are the kinds of games that Roy Williams played throughout his career. Um, And uh, that's why Gary and, and Izzo get along. I mean, they get along for a lot of other reasons, but they played similar styles. You know, Gary wanted with all the, with his better teams, he wanted more possessions in a game, and he would do that. Um, Going to be really interesting. Now, you know, all the there there's still some other openings out there. Texas is still open, although everybody thinks Chris Beard's going there. But it's going to be interesting to see how the dominoes sort of fall. Like, I'm wondering if Chris Beard isn't at Texas already because he might be a a candidate for a job that maybe the sport thought would open up, which is North Carolina. You know, if you've got – now, Texas is his alma mater, um, but, man, Carolina's Carolina. And, and, you know, Brad Stevens, you know, the truth is there's a little bit of, you know – little bit of th- rethinking on Brad Stevens at the pro level. They haven't won it. Um, they haven't gotten there. And this year is a disaster for the Celtics. A disaster. So Brad Stevens, you know, is a really good basketball coach, but, uh, but ultimately would not surprise me. I'm thinking of about the Carolina alums that are out there. Uh, I mean, well, um, what's his face? Is it Vanderbilt? Uh, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, he's at, he's at Vanderbilt. I can't imagine Stackhouse gets the job. Um, Michael Corn's coaching somewhere, I think. Jeff Lebo, I wonder if he's still. The, these aren't the guys, though. It's gonna. Be, I, I bet you it's Brad Stevens. 
I bet you Brad Stevens ends up Wes, oh, Wes Miller, who played at Carolina and is at UNC Greensboro, has been you know discussed as one of the best young coaches. He's not super young; he's thirty eight, but one of the best young coaches in the game. He's going to be a name that's going to be on the list. I'm looking to see if anybody's put out lists already. It just happened, but I'm going to guess that it is um, that it that Brad Stevens is a front runner for that job. Um. Anyway, hey, there's something I well, want. It doesn't matter for it doesn't matter for you because uh, your team doesn't play in the ACC. <laughs> I know. I'm treating it like it is. Well, yeah. no. I mean, you know, the bottom line is is that Roy Williams is a is a major heavyweight in coaching yes, across is. all yes, sports, pro and college. That's that. You know, there's only one other retirement in college hoops. That could be bigger, and that would right. be Shashevsky or maybe Calipari, but but Roy's right there. Shashevsky will be have a to be yeah. Beheim yeah, will that get would be the biggest. yeah. Beheim will get a big send off as well. Um, the, there will be odds posted pretty shortly on a lot of sites on who the next Carolina coach will be. But 33 years he is st- – there's apparently a press conference this afternoon. By the way, speaking of press conferences, Ron Rivera was supposed to hold one at 9 o'clock this morning, but then they backed it up to 11. They've done this before. I hope he's healthy and well because I think the last time it was because he wasn't feeling well. Um, I wanted to um, I wanted to get sort of a Nats preview from you. I also wanted to talk about Todd McShay's just-released – latest mock draft because he goes two rounds and he's got Washington taking a quarterback in the second round. So I want to talk about that and I have something to uh, to ask you about um, and get your thoughts on right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I wanted to mention something to you, and I just wanted to get your reaction to something. So this morning on the radio show, Tommy, I had Ryan Wilson on the show. He writes for CBSSports.com. He's a draft analyst for CBSSports.com. I'm familiar with Ryan. He, he was excellent, yeah. by the way, and it was a really good conversation about the draft. But there were multiple times where he referred to the team as football team. 
He said, I, I think that, you know, football team might go, you know, offensive line. Or I said, what do you think, you know, about Washington quarterback? And he said, well, football team, there were multiple times. And then, like, the third time he said it, I just, under my, under, under my breath but loud enough for him to hear, I said, Washington. And then at the end of the conversation, I said to him, I go, look, I, don't take this, I'm paraphrasing here, don't take this as an attempt to, to, to end this conversation in a confrontational way because it's not meant that way. I really enjoyed our conversation. I thought you were excellent. And I said, but why are you referring to them as football team instead of Washington? Because he did mention Washington a couple of times. I said, for many of us, when that happened, especially early last year, it really came off as sort of mocking at times, you know, the fact that they hadn't picked a name yet. You know, what, you know, and I, and I went through the examples. We talked about it during the season last year, but, you know, during games early in the year when one of the announcers would say, first down football team, like, what? Like last year, you, you may have said first down Washington and not said Redskins. So why are you, you, you doing that? So he just said to me, he goes, look, you know, I understand it, and he and he wasn't offended by the the question um, at all. Um, not that I would have cared if he had been, but but beyond that, he just said it's my way of making sure that I don't say Redskins. And so I just said, well, Washington could be your way of not saying Redskins, and he goes, it's true, and I say Washington sometimes too. But you know, he said it wasn't in any way meant to to mock, but it really does get to the core of like the, I don't really care what they do. But if they don't do anything, I think, you know, the, the, the team, whether it's Jason Wright or Ron Rivera or their PR group, have to get out to the people that cover the league. The one part of our name right now that is part of our brand is the city we play in, Washington. Refer to us as Washington. Your thoughts. You've earned all, all the ridicule and lack of respect that this organization gets. They earned it. And you can't go there and expect people to be serious and say, you need to show us the proper respect and refer to our name the right way. After for, most of those people thought your name was a joke for years and offensive, whether it was or not, that's what they thought. And now you're, you're, you're demanding respect from them? Please. You're on shaky ground here. I, I didn't say that I'm demanding respect from them. That's not what I meant at all. What I meant is, I, I think with those that do it, first of all, let, let's just assume that many that do it were a part of that group that were, you know, that, that wanted the name to be changed because it's so hideously racist for a long period of time. So they do change the name, they drop the name, and they're going through the process, which is not an easy process and can't be done in six weeks or four weeks or whatever amount of time they had between the time they dropped the name and the new season started. And so they did what many of those people, not, I'm not suggesting Ryan Wilson was a part of this, did what many of these people wanted, and then they're going to get mocked on top of it with football team. Well, yeah. Like, what, yeah. Do, you mean, what do you mean, yeah? Well, no, no, no sympathy. Hey. No, no benefit of the doubt <laughs> okay. here. Okay, so you did what we asked you to do, and then, and then, by the way, because you didn't come up with a replacement name fast enough, we're going to mock you on this name. Okay. No, we just gen generally like mocking you because you're such a terrible organization. Mm -hmm. Okay. How's that? Uh, I. I think the league. I, think, I mean, they have earned it all. Kevin. I think the league should go to its league partners. ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, um, and say, 
uh, we, we would really prefer that all of your you know television announcers and all of your other people, until Washington comes up with an official new name, refer to them as Washington. It sounds stupid to say football team. When you would have said Washington anyway last year if you were against the name. Yeah, it just it's 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 an effort. You gotta you gotta you gotta go an extra, you know, few feet to say football team from Washington. It's not that hard. Most of these guys call a lot of the other teams in the league by their city's name anyway. I mean, you hear Dallas as much as you hear Cowboys, you hear Miami as much as you hear Dolphins. Let's just hear Washington. Look, I don't I under, by the way, what you're saying, you know that in many ways I feel like you're right. Like there is nothing that they don't deserve. There is nothing that he doesn't deserve for being an absolute ruiner of what we had before he got here. But it just you're really tr- like it it seems like you're reaching and you're trying too hard to mock. Well, there's no chance that if Jacksonville was in the midst of a brand name and they were calling themselves the Jacksonville football team, that I would call them football team. I'd call them Jacksonville. I call them Jacksonville more times than Jaguars anyway. Whatever. Ryan Wilson said he was doing it on purpose for a a different reason than just to mock the team. That's right. I I think if you use football team, you're doing it on purpose for whatever reason it is. It's much easier to say Washington. Of course. It's simply easier to do. And I and I so did say that to him. If you refer to him as football team, you're 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 doing it on purpose for whatever your reasons are. I and I said that to him. I said wouldn't you know trying not to say Redskins by saying football team, you can you can uh, you can accomplish the same thing by saying Washington. Because you probably referred to them as Washington a lot of the time anyway. And by the way, he didn't even make it clear as to whether or not he was, you know, an anti-name guy for years. Or anyway, I didn't even ask him. I just, I thought it was interesting. It's one of the first conversations I've had with somebody where it wasn't Washington football team. Okay, it was football team. It just sounds so stupid. Now It does. And, And this notion that they should keep it. It's unbelievably dumb. <laughs> no, if you... I mean, it's so dumb. I mean, if nothing else, like I always point out to people, it's a constant reminder that you had to change the name. Well, I mean, I ag- somebody who, who moves to the area who says, I'm going to become a, a football fan of the local football team here, you know, or, or the kids growing up here want to know why their football team doesn't have a name they're going to hear the story, a story that you'd just rather bury. They, um, w- whether that's true or not, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you that a dumb name or no name continues to keep that name alive. That may be p- part of the point, by the way, from their standpoint. But the name it, Washington football team is just super clunky. And it's not a name. Now, FC Washington or Washington FC, which I would have no problem with at all, is more of like an actual something you can brand. Because we've seen it before. And by the way, it keeps the most important part of what we all want, other than you know the team colors to remain, which they will. Washington needs to be in the brand. Unless, of course, you know, so in the where next... Where have you seen... 
where have you seen this before, Washington FC or F- FC Washington? What do you mean? Where ha- where have you seen this FC before? Oh, soccer. Your favorite sport. Okay. Is that in America? Boy, boy, that was so that was so telegraphed. Okay, so just stop. I is, it, is that in America? Does that happen in America? What's next? Are you going to start measuring your uh, metric? Are you going to start measuring meters instead of yards? No. What's next? Huh? What's next is they're going to take yeah. away Washington because of the life that that our our first president lived. That's what's next. Long before we start, you know, saying uh, first and three meters um, at the twenty at the twenty seven. Um, anyway, what? FC. It's almost as ridiculous. Uh, well, Red Wolves is more ridiculous. I I don't care about that. I just. Don't like it's just rubbing salt in the wound. Like, hey, you wanted so many of you people out there wanted the name change. The name's been changed, so now you're gonna rub salt in the wound and and call them football team. Early on in that well, season, world, I mean, again, I mean, you know, your, your transgressions don't, don't just disappear. Okay, the, the, the day they I, stop. You know, again, the the the, the, the I don't. Honestly, I just want them to be good this year. And I think by the time we got to the end of the year, no one was saying football team anymore. But I just heard I, it today. I, I, it, I never heard it. Yeah. Well, we heard it, heard we, it we heard it in in an early season game. Um one of the announcers yeah. said first down football team. I forget who it was now. <laughs> um but it was first down so football team. I mean, I how yeah, I I admire the fact that you're still so sensitive to, <laughs> such, to, to such a horrific organization. Uh, you still can find some level of pride uh, to 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 call upon. Well, That's how about impressive. just how about just the fact that something like that would bother me on opening day? I should be more into <laughs> opening day. Um, real quickly before we get why to why not why not why not the Washington Senators? Because we've been there, done that? There used to be a football team in Washington called the Senators. What football team was called the Senators? A professional football team in the early uh, 1920s were called the Washington Senators. Really? So we had a baseball team and a football team? We we were like the Cardinals where we had a baseball team and a football team by the same name? There were a lot of places like that. Yeah, you're right. The Brooklyn Dodgers had a football team as well. Right. Yep. So why not Washington Senators? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Let's uh, stop this. Okay, um, let's end this conversation. I did want to mention one thing, and then we'll get to your we'll get to a Nats preview for the season. So um, uh, Todd McShay put out. I'm I'm trying to check what the version is. Uh, whatever. It's a t- it's version 4.0 for him. Mock draft. Um, it is two rounds. Uh, rounds one and two. Um, first of all, in the first round, he is Washington selecting Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. I've seen him mock to Washington a lot, and he said that the signing of Curtis Samuel means Washington likely won't take Florida receiver Kadarius Toney. I would disagree with that. I would think the combination of Samuel and Adam Humphreys means that they don't feel like they have this massive need. But let me just say, if Kadarius Toney is the number one player on their board at 19, they should take Kadarius Toney because he looks like a major difference maker potentially at the next level. Beyond that, what I wanted to get to was when he gets to their second round selection at 51 overall, he has Washington selecting Kellen Mond, quarterback, Texas A&M. 
And McShay writes, the next best quarterback was out of range for Washington in round one, but selecting Mond, who could sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke all season, here is selecting him here is smart. His accuracy and mechanics will still have to develop, but Mond has arm strength and the ability to extend plays. He's my sixth-ranked quarterback, but comes in at number 89 overall. So he's got him as his number 89 big board player, and he suggests that Washington should take him 51. And then at 52, he's got the Bears taking Kyle Trask. So those are the next two quarterbacks to go after the, the, the five go in the first round, the five that everybody expects to go in the, in the first round. You I, know, uh, national guys, I mean, a, a guy like Todd McShay, and, and you could disagree with me about this, you think would just be more plugged in in this sense. He says he could sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Doesn't he know that the coach's favorite quarterback is Kyle Allen? That's his favorite quarterback. Yes, but Taylor Heineke's got the bigger contract and the guaranteed money. I know. So but, the, I, I, but that's because they had – I mean, they didn't have to do that with Kyle That's Allen. right. And there's questions about him, right. you know, with, with the injury coming back. But the coach of all the quarterbacks that we can document any kind of love, there's love for Kyle Allen mm-hmm. by the coach. Yep. So. Yeah. I mean, so real quickly – I'm I'm just not a Kellen Mond fan at all. It's funny, Ryan Wilson and I got into this conversation because he suggested Mond in the second round as well. Anybody that watched Kellen Mond in his junior year at Texas A&M, there's no chance that you would have thought of, of him as a guy that could go in the first two rounds. He was inaccurate, wildly inaccurate, made bad plays, bad decision maker, had some horrific games, had some decent games too. This year, you know, there were a couple of games where he was – really good, but they were against bad defensive teams. They beat Florida early in the year, and he had the game of his career, and it's the single game, I believe, that really elevated his stature um, from a guy that was probably a middle-round pick to potentially you know, a guy that could get, could get selected in the second round. Florida, I'll just remind everybody that is a college football fan out there, and for those that aren't, was a terrible defensive team this year. An absolute horrendous defensive team. But he had a great game and a game that ultimately probably, along with the LSU loss, knocked Florida out of contention. Florida defensively and Alabama for, for that, uh, uh, for, you know, was neither one of those two teams was great defensively. And he had a decent game against Bama, too. He rushed for nearly 100 yards, threw for like 270 and a couple of touchdowns. And so people are pointing to the games against uh, against Alabama and um, Florida to, you know, one bad defensive team, one very average defensive team as sort of the games in which, hey, he really turned the corner. I remember early in the season when they played Clemson last year, he wasn't very good. He was terrible, in fact, in, a, in, a, in an easy loss to Clemson. They had the ball in a, in a lot of positions to do stuff with it. He had a couple of turnovers in that game. I don't want Kellen Mond. I would be I would be fine with Kyle Trask in the second round. But I did put a poll out this morning, Tommy. I put a poll out um, because the draft is one month from tonight. You know, four weeks from tonight is the first round of the NFL draft. 
And I put a poll out, and if you want to vote, you just go to Kevin Sheehan, at Kevin Sheehan DC on Twitter. Um, I put a poll out. The NFL draft starts a month from tonight. Do you want Washington football? Not not Washington football team. Hashtag Washington football. To draft a QB, and if so, when? And the three answers were, yeah, I do, rounds one or two. Yeah, I do, but not until rounds three through seven. So more of a developmental guy. Because if you draft somebody in the first or second round, you're sort of saying, we think this guy's got This guy's going to be the future. He's going to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year, and then he's going to be our guy, you know, in 2022. And then the, the third potential answer was no, you don't want them to draft. Well, number one was yes, uh, rounds three through seven. 49.1%. The second answer was no, they don't want a quarterback drafted. And the third answer was yes in rounds one or two, 20.5% of the vote. I do not, I, I hope they don't draft a quarterback in rounds one or two unless somebody that they really like, you know, drops into their lap. I certainly don't want them to trade up to get anybody. Um, I'm excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could be the quarterback for not only next year, but the year after. So that they could be shooting maybe for 2023 to have a quarterback, you know, their quarterback of the future. And by the way, to your point, I think they still do like Kyle Allen. I think they like Taylor Heineke to a certain degree. Neither one of them is costing them anything right now. Somebody right. mentioned, well, why not trade for Sam Darnold? Maybe you can get him for a third. The big issue with Darnold is you got to play him right away because he's got the fifth year option that you're going to have to pick up and then you're going to have to pay him. Right now, Washington's quarterback salaries are like combined twelve million in cap space next year. That's incredible. Like that's a bargain. That's a big difference from where they were. Right. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, I thought he. I, I, I've seen more and more guys starting to think Washington. And John Kime reported this. He does not think they're done at quarterback. I actually talked to John on the radio and, and, and talked to him off the air. John's convinced that they are looking for their quarterback of the future, um, and it may happen in this draft. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback um, that you would that you would walk, meaning rounds one or two, where you would say, all right, that's their guy. And by the way, a second-round guy isn't always the answer either. Um, but Well, the first-round guy isn't always the answer. But anyway... Um, I saw your poll, by the way, and I always I always participate in your polls. Oh, that's nice. Time. Is that off the conversation and the other day I about retweeting vote. your columns? Yes, actually, I voted and added a comment this time. Uh, I'd say only a quarterback coached by John Beck. <laughs> okay, um, but he's the new quarterback guru. Who's the new quarterback? He's the guy who all these guys go to to prepare for their combine days and stuff. I think he's, he's Trevor Lawrence's guy. Who does? I think. John Beck. John Beck's a quarterback guru? Are you being serious? Yes. Oh, I didn't know no, that. No, I'm being very serious. Oh. I'm not joking. I honestly did not know it's that. It's not that funny. I, I mean, I know that that John guy Beck Quincy is, Avery is, and the guy Terry Shea in the past, and all those names. I, Tommy, I swear to God, I didn't know that. Too. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I think. If, let me just see. No, I'm I'm, I'm sure looking at it right now. Uh, NFL veteran John Beck, who now works as a motion mechanics instructor. This year, he's been able to train top quarterbacks for the upcoming draft, including Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask, and KJ Costello. 
there you go. You see, <laughs> he's the quarterback whisperer now. Wow. God, he was just. You know, so, he was some ten... people can teach, some people can slay. No doubt. Sometimes the best coaches end up being guys who are very mediocre as players. Um, anyway, uh, I was going to say something else about the draft, but I guess that's it. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the Nats season. We'll do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Breaking news uh, throughout this podcast here as we're recording it this morning. The latest is the Mets Nationals game tonight, according to Buster Olney, postponed regarding COVID issues. Also, Ron Rivera spoke, and we'll get to that. But first, uh, you don't have to go to the ballpark tonight unless you want to just go hang out by yourself. Uh, maybe they've got the food wow. there still waiting for you. Um, no no opening night tonight for Matt, for Mets and Nationals. How, how severe has this COVID thing gotten? That's a major embarrassment for baseball. Major, major embarrassment for the Nationals. Why? I mean, to have the opening. Well, because teams have taken a certain pride in the way they've been able to control uh, this virus uh, and and the discipline that has been shown among their players. Mm-hmm. And look, the, 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 the Washington Football Team has put their chest out uh, for the way they've handled it, and rightfully so. They deserve credit uh, and, and, and compliments for that. But, uh, I mean, at a time where people are getting vaccinated left and right, there, and even though there's, the, there's a surge in some sense that the, that the positive tests are going up, there's still this, this atmosphere of, of getting over it and to cancel opening day because of COVID, major embarrassment. I don't see, I, I don't see it that way at all. There's that would have not, that would not have been my reaction to it. I'm glad you have a column now to write for tomorrow morning. Major embarrassment. Um, I, I, look, if te- if teams aren't doing their best to keep COVID out of their building, and and you and and, the, and we, we know that. Like, remember what, the issue with the Ravens last year and one of the trainers or whatever going maskless. The whole thing. That's one thing. And maybe this will reveal something that the Nationals did that was stupid. Other than that, if you are doing everything you're supposed to be doing, then, you know, it's chance. I, I, I don't see and, it as a major chance, embarrassment. And, and chance, you can't, your organization, your business 
can't be embarrassed by something that's beyond your control? No. Not 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 really? be, not not because of something that's beyond their control. Embarrassment is all about public perception. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, you I'm part no of the public. I'm, I don't feel I don't feel like they should be embarrassed unless unless it comes out that they you know had a bunch of dudes at some super spreader uh, thing in Florida three nights ago. Okay. So if that comes out, that's different. But I, I, mean, I don't to get through. Spring training without any anything like this, and to have this happen on opening day, there's no way that this is nothing but an embarrassment for baseball <laughs> and particularly the Nationals. I don't understand how you don't under, don't because see that. last year when it, when they were when Miami had those games canceled, when St. Louis had those games canceled, when Juan Soto had the false positive and missed a bunch of games, I never considered it to be an embarrassment. The Ravens well, thing because everybody was dealing with it then. Yeah, everybody's now, dealing with it now too. How do we know that the, what what if three more teams have it? You don't think that the, do you think they're the only team that's going to have an issue here? I don't know. You tell me. How many do you know about that I ha- cancel their opening day because of COVID? I have no idea. Well, uh, as of now, nobody else has canceled their opening day. Okay. But that's just then, a matter of timing. The, that's just a matter story, of timing and chance. Nationwide, on, on nightly news tonight, mm-hmm. the Washington Nationals will make the news because they had to cancel their game mm-hmm. because they had positive COVID tests. Right. Okay. That's an embarrassment. Okay. I Whether just... it's their fault, your fault, what, my what fault, if it... doesn't matter whose fault it is. Okay. I think that's incredibly harsh. Um, and I don't think that they have anything to, you know, well, well, again, if they've been doing everything, if they've been following all of the Major League Baseball protocols, and somebody got COVID, and it led to the cancellation of a game, um, I don't think it's an embarrassing event. I think it's an unfortunate event. Um, but, you know, the good news is they didn't have a game scheduled for tomorrow night. Let's see what happens with tomorrow night. Maybe tomorrow night. I'll tell you what, it'll be a better – I think it's going to be a little less windy tomorrow night, but still cold. Uh, yeah, but, not much better. Yeah, but, but anyway. A little better. Um, the other thing, as we have been recording this podcast, um, Ron Rivera held a press conference, and so far um, through that this press conference, he he did say that Ryan Fitzpatrick will enter training camp as the first string quarterback. He will be number one on the depth chart, but he said there will be a competition. It's exactly what I predicted he would say after the Fitzpatrick signing. I said he's going to be clear that Fitzpatrick is the number one quarterback, but he's going to talk about it being a competition between everybody that's there. Um, He was also asked if he's done adding to the quarterback room. Ron Rivera said, and I'm quoting from Ben Standig's um, Twitter page, quote, we'll see um, and then he added the obvious caveats of you never know how the board unfolds. Right. Okay. All right. Um, so we don't have a game to talk about tonight, but we do have a team to talk about in the Nationals and the kind of season that they're going to have. Um, and this conversation about the Nats as we get ready for baseball season is brought to you by my bookie. March was a great time at my bookie. They had so much with the NCAA tournament. Uh, But now, uh, with baseball season starting, you can take a swing at the MLB lock of the season with a bet you simply cannot lose. MyBookie has lowered the over-under on total runs 
to a half run for the opening day matchup between the Dodgers and Rockies. And since there are no ties in baseball, all you got to do is get a bet in and you win. Did you understand what I said? The over-under for Rockies-Dodgers is a half of a run. All right, games can't end 0-0. They're giving you this as a win. All you got to do is play, hello, the over, and it'll win. Sign up today at mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC to secure your first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. That's promo code KevinDC to claim your free cash bonus and add even more excitement to the sports you love. Again, MLB lock bet of the season. This is an opportunity you will not lose on. MyBookie's offering it at mybookie.ag. You got to use my promo code KevinDC. Bet the over on a half a run in Dodgers-Rockies and you're guaranteed to win unless somehow it ends up 0-0 forfeit. But if that happens because of COVID or anything else, the bet will get voided. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. Don't forget my bonus code, KevinDC. That's KevinDC, my promo code, at MyBookie.ag. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The over-under for the Nats wins this year is 84-and-a-half. You go on over-under and why? Um, i go over slightly. Not by much, though. Are you worried about the I division? Well, yeah. I mean, look, uh, they've, they've got some issues. Uh, Carter Keboom was not, has not turned out to be the replacement for Anthony Rendon, which means that they have to play a guy – like Josh Harrison, who's good, and they're lucky to have him uh, as, as an everyday player for the most part at second base and play Starlin Castro at, at third, uh, which, you know, which totally weakens their team. They're a stronger team when Josh Harrison is, is, a, is a bench player, a role player, as opposed to a starter. No, no knock on him. So they're, they're weaker uh, without their planned starting third baseman. Defensively, and Barry Saluga pointed this out in today's post, they got a lot of questions. Kyle Schwarber out, out in, in, in the outfield. I know Dave Martinez swears by him, but uh, they, they've got some issues defensively, and when you rely on starting pitching, you need, like to have a great defense to back them up. Uh, they just got too many questions. The Braves are the defending champions. I like the Braves' rotation. 
coming back, and uh, unless the Mets are in self-destruct mode, they have a tremendous rotation to deal with, even though the Nationals do too. I think, look, I think, I don't know if any team will win 90 games in a division. It could be close. I mean, you know, the Mets or the Braves could win the division with, with 88 or 89 wins. Uh, but I think first, second, and third could be separated by two games. Yeah, I mean, look, every single time we have this conversation every year for the last several, especially, you know, since this organization decided that starting pitching was the most important thing, and Rizzo's obviously done a great job with that. If their starting pitching stays healthy, they're going to go over 84 and a half. They've got more offense in the lineup than they did last year when they were without, you know, Anthony Rendon for the first time. Um, Bell and Schwarber give them real power to go with, you know, an MVP candidate, if not, you know, front runner and Juan Soto, along with Trey Turner. I'll be interested to see if the Robles leading off with Soto hitting second and Turner hitting third, you know, in an effort to get Soto more at bats. And by the way, with Turner coming behind him, less chance that he gets intentionally walked. All of that stuff makes sense to me. Um, you know, I'm not an analytics baseball guy, but the, the more at bats and more importantly, I think it makes more sense that, you know, Soto's not sitting there hitting fourth with a potential guy behind him that you can, you know, put him on base. Um, but Robles getting on base will be key, but it's their starting pitching and it's their starting pitching staying healthy. Last year, obviously it didn't. Strasburg's had a couple of nicks and knacks already. I really, I think this year for me, I'm rooting for him as much as I'm rooting for anybody else. I, I want the team to do well, but I want Strasburg to stay healthy. I want him to have a year in which he actually legitimately contends for the Cy Young, which, you know, right now, you know, you've got the two uh, front runners that were scheduled to go tonight. I guess they'll go tomorrow night in Scherzer against DeGrom. I want. I want Strasburg, Tommy, to back up his huge postseason moments, and he's had major postseason moments, starting with that game four at Wrigley, but obviously game six against Houston in the World Series. I want him to back it up with a fully healthy regular season where we get the best of Strasburg from April through you know the end of September. Um, I'm really rooting for him. I, I think is if starting pitching stays healthy, they're going to be really tough. You can tell me a, as to whether or not this bullpen's going to include some sort of rotation with Hand and Hudson and anybody else sort of, sort of matchup driven, or if Hand's going to be given the job as the primary closer. Um, you understand more than I about Schwarber and left field and the defensive deficiencies of some of their players. I think it is interesting that Zimmerman was red hot in spring and whether or not they'll, they'll platoon him with Bell. Um, or, you know, um, it, you know, I know that, that people say that Zimmerman against left-handers seems like at least the obvious place to plug him in to start. But with him in recent years, it's been staying healthy too. Um, I, I did want to ask you, how disappointed do you think they are in the Carter Keyboom experiment? Well, I think you've got to be. I mean, are they, have I mean, they given up on him? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know if they have given up on him. So uh, I, I can't answer that. But he's supposed to look. They had a written-in replacement for for Bryce Harper, and that was that was Soto. Uh, Juan Soto. Yes. And they thought they had a written-in replacement for Anthony Rendon in Carter Keyboom, and they don't. No. Apparently, at least not right now. So, yeah, 
That, 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 that's a big problem for them. One of the keys in this year could be Victor Robles. I mean, if Victor Robles has the kind of year, remember, he was the prospect who was untouchable right. Right. coming up. You know, he was the guy that everybody wanted and they would never trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, he took a step back last year. But, but you got to chalk that up to a very bizarre year for everyone involved. So I don't necessarily hold that against him. But if Victor Robles can emerge as the, as the five-tool player they think he is, a guy who could hit 25 home runs, steal 35 bases, drive in 80 runs as a leadoff hitter, you know, and uh, play great defense in center field. That could be the game changer right there. If he's erratic, uh, they can't afford for him to be erratic. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a brutal schedule as we talked about early to start. I mean, it's nineteen and thirty-one trying to avoid a. A tough start. If they if they avoid that and they can flip it around, or you know they're twenty, you know through through fifty games, they're twenty seven and twenty three with that schedule. I mean that would be awfully promising, um, especially if they're healthy. I mean that was obviously the big thing last year. No Rendon and unhealthy, especially um, with starting pitching. And and if they stay healthy, I mean I know the Braves were really good last year, and I know everybody's high on the Mets. And some people think the Phillies and Marlins are going to be very competitive as well. But you know, there's no reason the defending champions from two years ago, but the you know the the defending champions uh, along with the Dodgers can't you know contend for a playoff spot this year um, and go over 84 and a half. I think that was a really good point too with as many times as they're going to play each other you know, the, the division winner might end up with, you know, 92, 93 wins, something like that. Although the total for the um, for the Braves in uh, in season wins is 91 and a half. So seven more than the Nats. So there you go. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's it's not the kind of uh, division where you can afford to give away the first week. Okay. Well, the they're going to they're going to play that. the other 159 anyway. Even if you're 56 anyway, if you give away the first week, it's a long season. Yes, it is. Well, maybe it's not a long season. So far, <laughs> it's 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 not a long season. It um, didn't start yet. More likely, Soto wins the National League MVP. Scherzer wins the National League Cy Young. Oh, Soto wins uh, National League MVP. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, Scherzer's on the downside age-wise, even if he still is good. Uh, I mean, a guy, a guy like DeGrom, they might as well put his name on the Cy Young at this point uh, with, with an improved Mets team. Uh, but Soto, they mentioned Soto's name with Ted Williams. I mean, and baseball experts do that, not just uh, fans. Uh, that's that's rarefied air. So, so and plus he's very he's very likable. He's easy to vote for. So that'll be my last question for the show today. I, I asked Zuck this, and I I'm sure I've asked you this before as well, but I'm going to ask it again because I don't remember what your answer was. Did they have any idea that Juan Soto had this kind of potential before, you know, before they saw it? 
Did what were they really expecting? You you know Mike Rizzo really well. They obviously felt comfortable with letting Bryce Harper go, but what did they think Juan Soto was going to be? Did they think they had the next Ted Williams? No. I think they thought he'd be good and I think they were impressed with his composure and his 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 personal makeup as much as his talent. Mm-hmm. You know, there were other I mean he had made a verbal agreement to sign with the Nationals, and a couple of other teams came along based on the, I think, the ESPN article that Jeff Passan wrote about him. Like San Diego and another team came along before he signed a deal with Washington and offered him more money. And he said, no, I gave my word that I would sign with Washington, and he did. Wow. So they, they knew they had somebody special in terms of makeup, I don't think anyone said Ted Williams. Maybe they did. I never heard it. I remember seeing him for the first time a couple years ago in spring training. We really hadn't heard much about him. He wound up playing in a spring training game, had a couple of hits, I think a couple of doubles, and uh, and we interviewed him on the minor league side of the ballpark. He wasn't even after the game <laughs> because he dressed with the minor leaguers. We right. had to go over to the minor league clubhouse to interview him. Uh, and this is like how he, he, and this is, this is not a political thing. It just shows you what kind of guy and how smart this guy is. He made a point of learning to speak English pretty fluently at an early stage of his career in the minor leagues when he was with Hagerstown, you know, uh, because he knew that would help him. He knew that would help him communicate. And uh, he's, he's a... He's a special kind of guy so far. Well, I, I mean, I, I, there's nothing political about that, and I know that you, you said it, but, I mean, to me, that is, that is you know, a level of maturity to, to understand. Yes. First of all, for anybody in any country to aspire to learn and be fluent in a second language, there's nothing wrong with it, especially if it's going to help you professionally. That's just smart. Um, that 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 actually says a lot about him. I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily know that. Um, uh, one last thing before we go. So, you know, uh, Standig and all the guys are tweeting out, and Nikki, all of them are tweeting out about Rivera. Rivera says about the quarterback situation. I already mentioned that he said Fitzpatrick is number one going in, but you know there will be a competition. He also said that he doesn't feel pressure to add the long-term quarterback now. Quote: If you put all the other pieces in place, when that guy shows up, you can grab him. Went the other way in Carolina because Cam Newton was there in the draft, but it took time to fill out the roster. Now, you know, the follow-up to that would be, yeah, but you did go for Matt Stafford. You know, they went for him. He was there for the getting, and they went after him. And I guess that's what, you know, he is saying, too. When that guy shows up, you can grab him. And they tried to grab one this year, even without having all of the other pieces in place. But I don't think they're going to get their long-term quarterback this year. I just don't see it. I, I would bet against that, and to me, a quarterback being drafted in rounds three through seven doesn't mean that they believe that that guy is a quarterback of the future. That means they've got a developmental guy who may or may not make the roster. Now, if he gets picked in the third round, that's a little bit different, um, but uh, anyway, he also mentioned there have been no talks with Brandon Sheriff on a long-term deal. Uh want to repeat that 
MyBookie at MyBookie.ag, MyBookie at MyBookie.ag has a lock today. All right, go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC. They're giving you an absolute lock on an over-under bet on the Dodgers versus Rockies game. All right, they're putting the total at a half of a run. All right, games can't end 0-0. So bet the over. It's a bet guaranteed to win. They're giving you that opportunity today. The game starts this afternoon, 4:10 Eastern. So Dodgers, Rockies, go to mybookie.ag and take the free money on the Dodgers, Rockies opening day uh, over under uh, total of a half of a run. Um, it's guaranteed oh, by to win. The way, yeah. By the way, Buster Olney is also reporting that Friday's game is post Friday. A possibility of a game Friday is not going to happen. Well, then this is more than just a one-off with four people in contact tracing. There's an outbreak. I would, don't you, yes. right? I would, I would think, seems so. Yeah. This, this is a, this is a, a dumpster fire. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. I, it's, it's, uh, well, wh- why don't we wait? For all we know, the Mets have a bunch of, of positive tests, too. Nope, yeah. I would say reported the Mets have no positive tests. <laughs> well, then again, the Mets may not have any positive tests. Um, did did Buster report that on the Mets? No, one of the Mets writers reported that. Okay. All right. Well, they're going to have plenty of time, plenty of time to, re- to make up these games. And you're not going to remember in you know mid-May or mid-June that you missed out on the first couple of days of the season. Well, you got some memory problems. <laughs> got to start eating more blueberries. I like blueberries. Superfoods, Tommy. Focus on the superfoods. Uh, by the way, Sean Taylor would have been 38 years old today. Crazy. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you got planned now that you don't have to go to a baseball game? Well, I'm going to go out and get some lunch and uh, go watch some uh, Rockford. But you got baseball on all day. You're not going to watch baseball opening day. I'm too depressed. I'm too depressed now. Oh, it's too bad. Um, you got to get into betting because betting opening day is one thing. I don't bet baseball really during the regular season much, but opening day, I'll have a couple of sides today. I tr- trust me on that. All right, uh, enjoy. I'm back tomorrow. Um, we will certainly preview the final four. We won't have a Nats game to talk about, but we'll do a lot more on the Ron Rivera press conference from today, focus in on some of the things he said in more detail. Have a great day, everybody. Tommy, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, boss. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.